0: Thank you, Allison. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, again for today, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful to reveal yourself to us through your word um, and through the gift of your son, Jesus. So we pray that today we might hear from you, that we might have ears to hear what it is you want to show us, how you want us to truly bow before you today. Would you take just a moment to ask the Lord to speak to you from his word this morning? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, and your character that we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, Well, it is, as I said earlier, great to be together and great to worship the Lord together. We've been walking through these last, kind of throughout the summer, uh, Hebrews 11, which is a chapter that really highlights the faith uh, of some of the the people in the Old Testament. And and the last couple weeks we've been talking about Abraham. We'll continue to talk about him today. Uh, When I was a youth pastor, we um, uh, we used to take an annual trip down to Guatemala. It was a mission trip. We would take a bunch of kids down, and it was a great trip. We would go down and uh, build, usually, you know, um, help something. There was an orphanage, and so we would go to the orphanage, and we would help, uh, you know, usually build something in the orphanage. We would play with kids. We'd lead kind of like a VBS kind of camp kind of deal, and, and it was great. In history, you know, year after year, the, the families who had been and the students who had been kind of got to know some of the kids, and so they, they loved our group. They loved our group and we would show up and they would literally be like banging on this like yellow school bus as we, as we pulled into, into the orphanage. And it was always such a great week together. And one of the days you would usually kind of take a break and the kids would all kind of go to Antigua and just do some shopping, maybe get in a hammock or something that was, you know, handmade from Guatemala you could take home as a souvenir. And, and one of the kids, he bought this kind of figurine or sort of doll. He's like, oh, this will be fun. I'll take this back and I'll use this to play with the kids and we'll just and he was real, you know, gregarious and getting with the kids and everything. And so he went and he bought this doll. And when we got back around dinner time, he brought it over to, to, the, to the kids to show them. And he's like, look what I got today. Let's let's play with this kind of doll with the kids. And the kids were like <laughs> And he was like, uh okay. He's like, hey, it's a doll. You know, we're playing. Well, I don't know what happened they'd like, love this kid. I was like, what's happening? And they kind of look at it again. And so he kind of finally asked somebody, he's like, um did I do something wrong? And they were like, oh, you bought that? Um, that is a, among the indigenous in Guatemala, a pagan idol that like people bow down to and worship. And so he was like, oh, so the kids were like, um, he bought a, a pagan idol. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know what happened. And so that night we had a, uh, a you know, um, a bonfire that we were just doing that night. <laughs> You know exactly what happened, don't you? And so this kid ceremoniously he walked up with the idol and drops it into the fire and all the chi- all the kids go nuts and cheer. We burn the idol. It's like very good. Yeah. So it was a great le- it was an object lesson. It worked out all for good. Now, uh, he accidentally, inadvertently bought an idol. Of all things, now for us, we're kind of like an idol in our time culture. There's, I mean, we can't imagine anything that we would buy that someone would say, "Oh, we actually bow down and worship to those things." Uh, but that—that's exactly what it was. And though we would say, "Okay, yeah, we don't have these dolls that become idols now within our culture," uh, all of us have something that we worship. And, and when I say worship, I, I don't necessarily mean that we sing to it like we just sang to God. We just sang crown him with many crowns and we praise him. I don't necessarily mean it's singing to it, but I mean, as a definition of worship, this idea of bowing down to something, sacrificing, making sacrifices for that thing, arranging our life around it to where that thing becomes what's ultimate. And that's what an idol is. And kids, if you guys have this um, little thing, and it's got a little coloring spot, it's got a thing. The I'll give you a hint. The red word right here is idol. And again, idol is not just uh, something that we sing to or or worship, but it's something that we actually arrange our lives around in worship. And for us, it could be a lot of things. It could be a a person. Uh, It could be a thing. It could be a dream. It could be a security blanket something that we hope that this will give us security, be something that gives us significance or worth or value because it gives us the accolades, whatever that thing is, that if we're arranging our life around it, if we're making sacrifices for it, and we're making it ultimate, does become an idol. And today when we talk about idolatry, I want us to, to think about, yes, the context of worship, But I want us to take another step as we think about Abraham in in Hebrews 11. Remember those first two words that is in every single verse almost in, in Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith. There is something about idolatry that is connected to faith, not just worship. Because the reality is what we worship actually reveals what we have faith in. And kids, again, on the back, that's the blanks. I'll tell you that if you're, if you're filling it out. What we worship actually exposes what we believe in. Why? Because we're not going to take something and make it ultimate unless it is actually going to fulfill the promises that we think it will give us. So let's take an easy example. Job. Work. Work. Right, there's a job. This job is not only going to provide financially, but maybe this job will actually give me financial security forever that I won't have to ever worry about money. Right? Sure, that'll happen. Um, Or maybe this job will be such that I actually get accolades or or that I get worth from it, value from it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you're good at this job. You're good at it. And it begins to, to build this purpose and this meaning. And so kind of one way or another in this job that we either get security or we get significance, those are all good things and good gifts from God. But when that becomes ultimate, what happens? We bow down to it. We begin to say, you know what, I'll I'll arrange my life around this job. And maybe even some of these values that I've always kind of held that I think are really important, well, you know what, maybe I'll just kind of let that value go by the wayside because this is what's really important. I'll arrange my life around it. I'll sacrifice for it so that I can get that thing. Why? Because I worship it because I believe in it. I believe that that job will give me what I want. Therefore, I arrange my life around it. And that's what I want us to look at today as we look at Abraham. This truth that what we worship actually exposes and reveals to us what we believe in. We believe that that thing will give us what we actually want or what it promises. And so let's talk more about Abraham. We've been looking at Abraham the last couple of weeks in his faith because in Hebrews 11, we see this journey of his faith. One, We see this journey where he is then called, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, as Kyle led us through, to leave that which was comfortable, to leave that which he knew and to go, God says, to a place in which I will show you. Not really directional, like not really knowing, is it the place that I want to be? Or is it, you know, near a coast? Or, you know, it's, it, it's just a place I will show you. And he leaves and he goes. And then God says, I want you not only to have the faith to move, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, but also to have the faith to wait, as we looked at last week. Waiting decade after decade, to have a child. And when God says to Abraham, I'm making you Abraham, which means father of many nations, and yet he and Sarah are old, they have no kids, you're like, well, we're, we're waiting, God, for you to do something. He had a faith to wait, and God provided a son. As we looked at last week, anyone remember what Isaac, his son's name, means? Anyone? Laughter, right? It means, you've got to be kidding me. That's what it means. When you see this child with his parents who are uh, 190, you say, oh, God can do anything. And so God gives him Isaac. And so we saw the faith to move. We saw the faith to wait. But today, I want us to look at Abraham's faith to worship. And so if you will, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. As we look at this story, again, many of us may be familiar with it. Genesis 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, this is not what we expect God to do. What God to say to Abraham after giving him this gift, this son, Isaac, the heir, the promise, the blessing, he says, I want you to take him and I want you to surrender him. Now, this is not some cruel trick. This is not an accident. We're told that this is the hand of God in Abraham's life. And he says, it's a test. And it's not a test like in school, that it's a test of what you know, but it's a test of what you know believe in what you worship and what you value as ultimate. God says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. And the question is, where are you? Do you believe in me? And are you willing to surrender everything down for me? God tests him to see where his true affections lie and where he puts his dependence. Go and do the unthinkable. Take the promise, take the heir, take the son, your only son, the one whom God says the promise will be fulfilled through and surrender him to me. Why? This question is one that I I think we wrestle with, to be honest. Not only do we wrestle with this, this this is such a bizarre thing, but we wrestle with this question, why? Why would God do this? I remember reading this as a kid and being like, is, is God jealous of the affections and the time and all the things that are going into Isaac? And I remember thinking, oh, that seems weird. But we, we have no context for jealousy that's actually righteous because the answer is yes, God is jealous. He's righteously jealous. In fact, in the 10 commandments, he says, you shall have no idols. I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. You shall have no idols, nothing you will worship because I'm a jealous God. Isaiah 42 says, I will not share my glory with another. He is rightly jealous. Not in the way that we're jealous, but rightly jealous for his glory, for his praise and for his honor because he is the only one who is worthy of it. He is the only one worthy of our entire lives bowed down before him. And so he is right to have his focus, to have the focus of our hearts. Now, God asked Abraham to do that which is unthinkable to say, do, what do you think about the gifts of God versus the glory of God? Are you willing to make a sacrifice to say, I care more about the glory of God than I do the gifts of God? And again, this is hard. And if we take this to the metaphorical, we, we have so many gifts that are good gifts from God. Maybe, that's, maybe it's things like, um, a tremendous mind or a family or friends or it's uh, some talent or you have a ministry in some place or you have uh, influence in your job or, or you have uh, this security that is kind of right built into what we have. And yet the reality is, are, do we take those good gifts from God and move them to ultimate to where we arrange our life and we sacrifice for it? And when we do, it's worship. It's worship becoming an idol? And do we make God pry those things out of our hands? This quote always has been powerful to me from Corey Ten Boom. And um, she says, I hold lightly to the things of this world because when God has to pry them out of my hands, it hurts. So God was asking Abraham to give what he loved, the sign of God's promise so that he could show God that What he was really about ultimately was the worship of God. Yes, celebrate the good gifts of God. But what is worship? It's God. Now, he continues. Keep going with me. Genesis 22, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offerings and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offerings and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. And When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there. He laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. If we place ourselves in this story, it's incredibly painful, Abraham walking with his son to this place, he leaves his other, his friends behind. He says, just Isaac and I are gonna go now. And we're gonna go up here and, and we're gonna walk into this moment in that difficult pain of, of Isaac saying, hey, dad, we got everything else, but where's the lamb? For Abraham to say, God will provide the lamb. This picture here is, this, is a picture of surrender. By faith to say, I am willing to surrender the very thing That God has given me, that every single day reminds me that God keeps his promises. I am willing to lay that down. He's willing to say, I'm gonna hold lightly to the things that God gives so that I can hold tightly to the Lord. Corey Timboom's quote about prying the hands. We hold lightly to the things that God gives. And trusting Him, trusting those things to Him so that we can hold tightly. To the Lord. Now, obviously, this is not easy. Surrender for all of us, no matter where we are. I believe is incredibly difficult. Um, I'll never forget um, us uh, trying to have kids for a number of years. It had been almost three years, and um, we had uh, we got pregnant. We were so excited, and then we had a miscarriage. And we heard, we found out about the miscarriage on Saturday. The next day I was preaching this passage and I just remember getting up there and being like, I don't know, Lord, how to walk through this passage. Or Mandy sat in the front and some of our dear friends came and just sat with her and basically we just all cried. I don't think anyone really knew what was going on. Just like, I don't know. He's a mess today. Um, But that is incredibly painful to walk through something that you were surrendering that we don't really know why. I don't know why I'm surrendering this. This isn't something that is wrong or bad or a bad desire. It, it's, a, it's a good desire. And yet God was calling us to surrender it. Talked to one of my uh, closest friends who's going through the unthinkable uh, potential loss of so much in his life. And I talked to him just a couple days ago and, and he, he just said, you know, I, I think I would be so tempted right now just to lose faith. He's like, but all I'm doing is just holding tight to God. He said, I just keep repeating over and over again, like, like almost like a chant. Though I walk through the waters, you will be with me. That passage from Isaiah. I was so encouraged by his faith as he walks through the trial of having to surrender something that he does not want to surrender and does not understand why. And so for some of us, we may be in that place where we're, we're having to surrender something that makes no sense. Others of us, we may be having to surrender something because we've just held so tightly to it. We've worked really hard to arrange our lives around whatever that thing is that that gives me the the accolades, that gives me the significance, or it gives me the security. And and because we're gripped so tightly, it actually hurts to let go of it. Whether that's a dream, or that's a security, or that's a a person, or a vision, or a a, a desire, whatever it is, that that thing that is really hard to let go of. Because we have worshipped something else we've had to lay that down. So surrender is here. We see that. And surrender, again, is is holding lightly to the gifts God gives so that we can hold tightly to the Lord himself. But there's something else I want to see here. Look at verse five. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now, I remember reading this and going, well, that's not true. He's going to sacrifice his son. He's not going to worship. I can't believe he told them he's going to worship. And yet the reality is, as I kept reading, it hit me that that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to worship the Lord. To say, I arrange everything around you, God. I sacrifice everything. I surrender everything for you, Lord. Because all of it is yours. You are ultimate. He was going to actually worship. Declare his worship. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him and from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So the angel cries out, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham says, here I am. And God says, I know where you are. I know what you hold as ultimate, that you worship me alone. Now, I think this truth, as we've seen Abraham, trusting God to go, to leave the place he knew, trusting God to wait, and now trusting God to worship. He believed in the promises of God. He was willing to surrender everything to him. He did all of this as an act of worship. It reminds me of that kingdom parable. It's one of my favorite parables in Matthew 13, where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. And that story, I've always loved that story because what is it? It's by, in his joy. He like joyfully goes and sells everything he has. Why? Because the treasure that he found in the field is worth it all. To put it in the context of what we've been saying here, he believes the treasure will actually fulfill the promise that the treasure will give. You see, he believes that that treasure is better than everything else. And so what we worship reveals what our faith is in. It reveals what we're really trusting. And so look back with me, uh, verse eight, it says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That's what Abraham said. And then verse 13, notice what happens. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day on the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And so surrender in faith, they're intimately connected. If we don't trust God to provide, there's no way we're going to surrender. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I, I, I kind of play this game. I think we sort of play this game with God. Like, I believe that you can provide, God, but I'm going to do all this over here to kind of keep everything arranged. And so that I make sure I'm, I'm in control. But this is surrender. This is saying, I believe you, God. I believe what you have for me is your best, no matter what. And so Hebrews tells us, as we heard in the reading um, from Allison, it says, He considered, Hebrews 11, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, this is interesting. We didn't know this in the Genesis 22 story, but when you read Hebrews 11 into it, Abraham believed the promise was through Isaac because that's what God said. And so he believed that God actually, if he sacrificed his son, that God would raise him from the dead. Now, how does he have any context for this idea of, of raising from the dead? Now, do you remember last week we talked about what Hebrews 11 said about Abraham? It said he was old, and it said he was as good as dead. That's how he describes him old. As we said last week, don't use that phrase with your grandparents um, or anyone. Uh, as good as dead. So what they had already seen is God brought life out of what was, all, was basically as good as dead. God brings life out of death. And so what does he believe? He believes that God could even resurrect Isaac. How could he believe that? Because he has seen God do the miraculous. He has seen God do things that no one could imagine. And this is essential in this conversation that we have to get to. I believe one of the things that that allowed Abraham to make this decision and to walk this out faithfully is that he had over and over and over again trusted in the promises of God. He had seen God's character, and he had seen God's faithfulness. He's good. He's faithful. He always comes through. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's always right and good. He will finish what he started. His character is perfect. And Abraham, over time, trusting him to leave, trusting him to wait, now trusting him to surrender. In every single step, What was the invitation? It was to trust that God is actually faithful and that what he will do is right and good. This story is not meant to cause us to doubt God's goodness. But the reality is in a context of surrender, oftentimes we do that. We doubt, we wonder, is God really good? It can lead us to bitterness. It can lead us to, to losing heart. And like my friend the other day, he said, I know that's the temptation walking through the, you know, this horrible trial that I'm walking through to, to go towards losing heart. He's like, but like Abraham, he's like, I'm not going to lose heart because what else would I cling to? I'll cling to a faithful God who is good and perfect and right. And so look what happens in the story. Verse 15. all nations will be blessed through Abraham's heir. As we talked about last week, that we received that blessing because in that process, Jesus came out to fulfill, to ultimately fulfill that promise so that all nations, us included, could be blessed by the promise and to know the faithfulness of God. That God, even in the midst of a really challenging situation, says what I have for you is better. What I have for you is good because of who he is. So maybe that um, for some of us today, maybe we're in the context of really trying to, to surrender something that's hard, that we don't really understand why. Why would God invite us to surrender this? It doesn't really make sense. What do we trust in? We trust in the faithful character of God, that everything he does is for his glory and it's for our good, even when we don't understand it. Others of us, we may be in a spot where we recognize, and it's pretty obvious, we know what it is. Maybe even sitting here today, we're like, yep, I know what it is. I have put this thing as ultimate. I'm worshiping it. I'm bowing down to it. I'm arranging my life around it. I have made it the most ultimate thing in my life. And whatever that is, we have got to let that go. We've got to surrender that. To put that in the proper place is a good gift from God so that we can allow our worship to be of God alone. It may be that like verse 12, there's a, there's a blank here that we need to fill in. For, I, for now I know, God says, that you fear God since you have not withheld your blank. Maybe there's something specific for you or for me that we have to put in that blank and to prayerfully consider what God is asking us to surrender so that we can be fully worshipful fully trusting in him who is good, who says the Lord will provide. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this difficult passage. And we pray, Lord, that you give us opportunity to reflect on what you want us to see from it. Maybe there's something very specific that we need to surrender, that we need to take out of the context of ultimate and see it as a good gift from you and begin to arrange our lives and sacrifice our lives for you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would show us what that is and allow us to step into that today. And then, Lord, I I pray for us as we partake in communion, as we are reminded that the fulfillment of that promise all the way back then is ultimately in Jesus, who is God's son sacrificed for us. And so, Lord, we thank you that... Abraham was willing to to surrender his son. But you, God, you did not withhold your own son. You gave your son for us. And because of that, we have been brought into a relationship with you. We have union with Christ. We have newness of life. We have uh, eternity with you forever. And so, Lord, my prayer for us as we take communion would be this um, both reminder of what Jesus has done for us but also a reminder that what, God, you ask of us is everything. We might surrender it all and give our lives to you in worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.